Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the Coffee Clutch. This is Marianne Russo. I'd like to start off tonight by um, wishing everyone a very happy Veterans Day. I want to thank all the men and women that you know have served to keep us safe. And I heard a quote today that um, really just touched me because I think it's every mother's wish. And the quote is, I dream of giving birth to a child who will ask, Mother, what was war? That was by Eve Merriam. And um, let's just hope that one day um, all these brave men and women just don't have to go out in harm's way. I also want to talk about, speaking of harm's way, um, Hurricane Sandy. Um, you know, our hearts just go out to those who lost their homes and tragically those that lost loved ones. And, you know, this has been an unprecedented time here in the Northeast for families. They're homeless, they're displaced, they're cold, uh, they're exhausted and afraid. And, you know, I myself am from one of the hardest hit areas of Long Island. And um, I know the struggles and challenges that we faced and the record low temperatures and the nor'easter that then followed. It really just complicated and already horrific situation. So the Coffee Clatch is um, taking donations, which will be given directly to families in some of the hardest hit areas here in New York. And um, you can go to our website, www.thecoffeeclatch.com, to find out how you can uh, make a difference for these families. And we're not taking any money donations. Uh, we are asking for items that are listed um, that will keep um, these children and parents warm and hopefully give them some place to sleep. And, um, you know, if you can, please do send something. And I am just so glad to be back. I mean, this has been a horrific two weeks, but tonight, Annie Fox is back. We love Annie Fox. Um, and she's going to be giving us some more parenting tips on raising tweens and teens. Her new book is titled Teaching Kids to Be Good People, Progressive Parenting for the 21st Century. It's fantastic. And um, let me read a little quote from Annie. Not all teachers are parents, but all parents are teachers. When we teach kids to be good people who possess the social courage to do the right thing, we help to make the world a safer, saner, more accepting place for all of us. And, um, you know, th this book is just great. You know, we, she, she writes about how we live in a time shaped by viral culture of cruelty. And, you know, we see bullying is just horrific. The, uh, the rates of suicide in, in these teens and tweens is just horrific. And, um, you know, like she says, it's not good enough to raise a good kid. Kids have to do good. So I am so pleased to welcome back Annie Fox. How are you? I'm doing really well, Marianne. Um, and thank you for having me. And um, I hope that, that these two weeks that have been so hard for all my friends on the East Coast, including family of mine, is just that the worst has passed. And what you see in front of you is... Uh, literally blue skies and, and uh, a chance to, to get back to uh, some form of normalcy because you guys have been through a lot. Yeah, you know, and it's funny because, um, you know, being a New Yorker, it, it really brings back the the feeling of after September 11th. 
Hmm. Um, where, you know, in such difficult times, I mean, the best of people comes out. I really have not seen the worst of him, maybe a little bit on the gas lines. But, uh, you know, you really see the best in people, which is great. And, um, you know, I just wanted to mention, Andy, that you are the author of the Middle School Confidential series, which is fantastic. Um, and, and those books are written for the tweens. Um, and it really is in a language and um, with illustrations that are great for the kids. And you've also written a book, which is Every parent should get this for their teenager. Too stressed to think. A teen guide to staying sane when life makes you crazy. Because our <laughs> our tweens and teens are under so much pressure. But you know, why don't we talk about this book? And you know, why don't you tell us first um, a little bit about the book and who it's written for? Well, teaching kids to be good people is a book for parents, or or actually a book for anyone who lives and works with kids. It could be grandparents, it could be coaches. Be anybody who has an emotional investment in mentoring kids, and I, I feel that's probably any adult. Even if you don't have your own biological kids, there are kids in your life. Um, kids are out there. I really believe that um, it does. It, it takes a it takes a village, and and right. anytime you have an opportunity to encounter a kid. Um, there's a positive impact you could be making on that kid. And so we're all part of this together. And especially, as you said in your intro, we see all this stuff about bullying. Um, How do you prevent bullying? Well, it's prevented every time we give a kid a course correction. Every time we are kind to a child, we are showing them what kindness and respect looks like. And the opportunity for them to then turn around and model that goes sky high. If they don't see it, it's hard for them to do it. Absolutely. You know, that was one of the questions, actually, I was going to ask you. You know, I, I was, um, you know, going to say that, you know, do kids and teens tend to do as, you know, parents or mentors or teachers say, um, you know, or do they do as they do? I mean, you know, even as far as the election, um, you know, I, I think parents had to be very careful because, you know, parents are very, you know, um, had very strong opinions. And, um, you know, I I think parents needed to choose their words carefully. It also could frighten them, I wanted to talk to you about also. But, you know, how much of what we say gets through compared to what we do? I think it's a really great point. Um, Kids are always watching. They overhear stuff, even if the words aren't intended for their ears. They overhear it. They're always watching because what they're doing is trying to figure out what does it mean to be an adult? How do the adults in my life, handle um inconvenient situations frustration how do they how do they show their neediness when they're feeling vulnerable what do they do do they hide it do they put a veneer on it or or do they turn around to the people who are close to them and say i need some help here i mean the the willingness to show vulnerability i think is 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 a much part of being a good person as the willingness to show strength and and um all of these Character traits that that I talk about in the book, I think they're all teachable skills. And modeling is part of it, but I don't believe parenting happens solely through osmosis. I feel that that conversations that count are part of our job as well. And I love that you talked about the frustration because that's so important for kids to see how you handle disappointment, how you handle conflict. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and it's good for them to see that parents have that. We don't, we, you know, we don't have to let our kids, you know, be in a bubble and not see that we hurt and not see that we have problems. That's so important, Marianne. You know, I was I was recently just um, 
week and a half ago, I was giving a presentation in Washington, D.C. at the National Forum on Character Education, and I happened to uh, have the privilege of, of listening to a keynote speaker named Paul Tuff. And Paul has a, a new book out called um, How Children Succeed. And he he put out a concept that was, um, the way he phrased it was great. He said, part of our job is to help kids develop grit, G-R-I-T, grit. And he described that as um, persistence and determination. And when we kind of buffer the world for our children so that they never rub up against the sandpaper that is life, then they have frustration levels that are so low that they can't deal with anything um, that isn't perfect. And and it, we do right. it's a great disservice when we don't help them understand that, you know, you're not always going to get this bowl of cherries. Sometimes you do just get the pits. Sometimes your bowl is absolutely broken. Sometimes other people have taken all the cherries before you got there. <laughs> but, right. but how how do you deal with that? And sometimes as a parent, as much as we love our children, we are loath to see them frustrated and so we rush in say oh okay that's okay that's okay i'll get you another bowl of cherries um so that the child never gets to flex that muscle which is their own determination and ability to get themselves through tough times right you know i always say that that you know parents are so focused on making their kids happy yes that they don't focus on teaching kids coping skills and calm. And if they have the coping and the calm, the happiness is going to follow. So, you know, exactly. it's it's a progression, you know. Yeah, I know. And it, it's, it comes from love. I understand it. I have two children myself. They're all grown up now. And there were plenty of times that they were disappointed. They didn't get on a team or, or you know, the project they handed in wasn't graded as high as they wanted or someone didn't want to be their friend. And my heart broke, of course. I've got a marshmallow in my chest for a heart. And and with your children, it hurts. And all you want to do is make them feel better. But I think what we need to do often is take a deep breath and then take a step back because what we can provide for our children is the bigger picture. They don't have the big picture view. We do. And right. when we can share that big picture perspective, when we can just calm down ourselves, Instead of getting there in the trenches with them, calm down ourselves and with confidence let them know that we know that they can get through this. Then they will they will get that. And and it's a wonderful legacy for our children. You know, I, I wanted to ask you, I'll ask you a double question here. I mean, I wanted to ask you really what um, prompted you to write this. But I also want you to um, to explain to us what character education is. Um, because you know, you know I, we, we know it's building good character traits, um, but you know, like you said, you just spoke. So tell us more about that. Okay, let me answer the second part first. Um, character education, as I understand it, is about helping children develop the perspective that is required to walk in someone else's shoes. It's really what it is. I, you can call it social awareness. Um, people call it emotional intelligence. I call it relationship smarts. <laughs> but those mm-hmm. people skills that we're talking about, as far as I'm concerned, that's what character education is about. We don't live in a vacuum. We live in in a world 
that other people also inhabit. And those other people have their own opinions. They have their own wants and desires. They have their own motivations for doing what they do. And the more we can help children read other people and understand that other people deserve to be listened to, if we have the skills that we can understand where someone else is coming from, then we are so much better off. You know, um, Daniel Goleman, who wrote the book Emotional Intelligence, literally wrote the book Emotional Mm -hmm. Intelligence, he has this great quote, which I included in the book, which I'll paraphrase it at the moment. Essentially what he says is, you know, if you don't know how to have effective relationships, if you cannot communicate honestly and effectively, then it really doesn't matter how smart you are because you're not going to get very far. Right, and you know, it's it's not like, um, you know, they're going to turn 18 and all of a sudden they're going to have these skills. No, they're not <laughs> going to. These, these take a really long time, and you know what? We're still learning after 18. But for parents, as teachers, which is my premise in this book, we have to keep in mind what it is that we're teaching. What are the long-term parenting objectives? Now, often I ask parents in, in you know parent education events, what do you want for your child? You know, at, at the end of this 18-year chapter, when they, right before they go off into the world to their next chapter, when you won't be parenting at such close range anymore, what would you like to see them have under their belts before they go off? And most parents will say without a moment's breath, I want my kid to be happy, like you just said before. But personally, I, I'm not convinced that happiness is A, a teachable skill, and mm-hmm. and B, the kind of life skill that's really going to um, empower you to deal with the ups and downs that that come our way. Right. So you I, need I, I, something I, I, else in your toolbox be, besides just happy. And, you know, it, it's a different world because even if you're a young parent, um, who's who's you know grown up maybe you know in their in their later teens um, with the internet and you mm-hmm. know with um, you know all of the influences that that brings uh, social media brings you still weren't raised with it um, so it's really a new frontier and you know why social media why do you think social media has the potential for being so powerful as a character influencer mm-hmm. you know positive and negative. Yeah, I, I am definitely of the mind that it's you know it, it's it's very powerful because it's it's an opportunity to connect with people, and when things go awry as they often do in in social media, um, where kids are making really horrific choices choices yeah. that um, if parents knew about one tenth of them, they'd be mortified that their kids were actually doing these kinds of things. And, I'm not talking about, um, you know, flashing your breasts and having a photograph taken of it and sending it off to somebody. I'm not talking about those kind of choices. Those are embarrassing, to say the least. I'm talking about the kind of cyberbullying choices that kids are making, where they are angry, where they are jealous, where they feel betrayed, and they've got this powerful weapon literally underneath their fingertips to lash out, to pile on, to start a, an awful hurtful rumor about someone, to get back at someone using social media. Those kind of choices are the ones that they they create an environment 
on social media that when kids are there in an unsupervised way, which is most of the time, they begin to think that that's normal, that that behaving in such a cruel way online is just, it's okay. It's just okay. Right. And 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 so what you what the kids are doing is because they're they're so connected with their peers all the time and if this is what passes for okay behavior then that's what they internalize and and then it has a very negative and very powerful spiraling down effect but the positive part of it is is something that I mean you just mentioned in in the beginning of the show that that you are using your connection to people who are listening right now to help people who are who are negatively impacted by Hurricane Sandy. The, the fact that there are people doing good work in the world and we can plug into their good efforts and contribute to them is also part of of social media. Um, I I wanted to answer the first part of the question about why I wrote the book, teaching kids to be good people. It it has its its beginnings in in social media. Um, back in October of 2010, I'm sure you remember because you were back east, um, that was the, that was the awful um, suicide of, of a freshman from Rutgers mm-hmm. University, um, Tyler Clemente, whose, whose roommate videotaped him um, in, in a, a situation with an, a male student and then broadcast the video everywhere and... and Tyler Clemente was so distraught at the fact that he'd been outed as a gay student that he jumped off the uh, George Washington Bridge. And that had been, I think that was like the third or fourth um, welcome back to school fall 2010 suicide. And I was just like, I was feeling like a truck had flattened me yet again and and feeling so helpless and, and despondent about it. And a friend of mine um, emailed me and said, um, "Have you blogged about it yet, Annie?" And I just felt like I have nothing. I have nothing more to say about this. I mean, ink has already been spent on this. It was like a day, two, three days. Everybody was weighing in how awful it was, and and it's like I I don't care to write about. If I have nothing new to say, it's like you know why 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 bother? I was just depressed. Um, it was it was it was horrific. It was it was just awful. And as I said, it was compounded by the fact that there was some thirteen year old in the Midwest who had hung himself and it was like one after another I said, My gosh, what is going on here? This is this is really scary stuff. Um and and I remember watching um the Ellen show and Ellen was amazing and she she looked at the camera and, and she said, you know, it's hard enough being a teenager growing up without people you know, piling on and making it even harder for you. It was she had really compassionate. Well, you know what it really with. comes down to is it's 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 not just character education, character choices. It really comes down to empathy and moral exactly. choices. You're exactly so right. And what so can I, a parent? It, it it it's it's not simple. It's it's this is it's really not simple. But I I just uh, the empathy piece is key, Mary, right? because because I. I still, after watching Ellen, and I was moved to tears watching her, I said, okay, I, I, I still don't have anything to write about this. She said it. She said it so eloquently. And then I, I clicked on NPR, and I listened to a guy who was from the Cyberbullying Research Institute. I never even knew there was such a thing. He was on Melissa Block's show, and, and um, he was being interviewed, and she asked him, why do kids do this? 
well, what does your research show about cyberbullying and the motivation of the kids who do it? And he said, you know, we have interviewed thousands of kids who, who admit that they do this online, and when you ask them why, they look at you, the interviewer, as if you're nuts. It's like, well, it's no big deal. Why are you even questioning me about this? It's, it's kind of fun. It's it's kind of funny. It's it's like, it's no big deal. And when I heard that, that's when I, I went, whoa, no big deal? There's something absolutely broken here in the it, area. It has to work. And, you know, I can say, you know, I have a, a 16-year-old, and, mm-hmm. you know, we were at lunch today, and, and, you know, she said to me, Mom, I can deal with the kids that are disruptive. I can deal with the kids that, you know, are, are rude to the teachers or, you know, the troublemakers. Mm-hmm. But her and her friends cannot tolerate the bullies. When kids it's, are it's mean, just, it's like, what is going on what are they, Yeah, it's like it's it's so horrible. And, you know, what can a parent do to help their children understand that these choices really matter? Yeah. I mean, if these kids have not seen how this behavior can lead to another child killing themselves, if, if they haven't seen the pain that this causes, I don't understand how, how do parents get children to put themselves in the other shoes? Well, this is not one conversation about empathy. This is this is a way of um being a parent. I mean, you're you're on you're on your job 24/7. And how are you out in the world? You may be going to the supermarket to buy some food. And, you know, there may be somebody who has just, you know, I don't know, dropped something and they're walking in front of you. Do you as a parent Stop and help. Do you pick up the thing? You say, here, you drop this. Um, the littlest things show compassion and empathy. And we are, we're teachers. And the kids, as I said, they're always watching. And so it's not, of course, when you give your kid access to social media, you give them a cell phone, you need also to be giving them really clear guidelines about what your expectations are. How do we treat people in this family? You know what? It's not different if you're online or you're face-to-face. It's the same standards of behavior. We are kind and respectful to people. That's what we are in this family. And I'm going to give you access to connect with people in an invisible world, on cyberspace. But let me tell you, sweetheart, my expectation for your behavior doesn't change one whit. And I want to make sure that we understand each other. Because if I find out that you are in any way disrespecting people online or at school, then we need to have a serious conversation about your access to this because it's a privilege. So it, it's it's a matter of modeling. It's a matter of using what happens in the world to, to talk about empathy. It's how you prioritize this character building as a parent. If it, You know, I, I know the parents are really, really busy today. Um, I often talk to parents about the checklist that we go through every school day. It's like, okay, do you have your homework? Is your lunch packed? Um, you know, is, is your phone charged? Get out, get out the door quickly. You know, your carpool is coming. All of this stuff. It's check, check, check. Marianne, it's so short term. That's all the mm-hmm. short term stuff. On top of that, there's a huge umbrella that I call long term parenting objectives, and these character traits are part of that piece. Yeah, and you know, um, you know what I was thinking was how, how do you feel about um, spyware? 
because you know parents may have an inkling that their their child is bullying or that their child is sexting. How do you feel about a parent using spyware? It really it makes my skin crawl. To tell you the truth, um, I, I feel like it uh, it screams, "I don't trust you." <laughs> but and, and if if you and your child cannot talk about um, your concerns in an open way, and you cannot lead with clear expectations and um, predictable consequences for not meeting those expectations, then you can be spying all you want. Kids will find a way to get around it. And you're True. Not I mean, be- I think that it, with the exception yeah. of if you think your child's involved with drugs or something dangerous, you know, if they're suicidal. Of um, you need you to, know. I'm not saying you're not supposed to monitor kids, but I think if, if you... Um, fool yourself into thinking that um, the spyware is somehow going to solve the problem. It's not because they're going to go to a friend's house, right? And they're going to do other things. So we have to we have to um, establish a voice inside their heads, so that even though we cannot always be with them, when they are considering crossing the line, they will hear our voice in their head. They may do it anyway. <laughs> However. It won't be because they don't know where we stand. Well, we've been talking about the bully. Um, what if you you know, feel your child's being bullied? Because a lot of the kids don't want their parents to get involved. They're no. afraid to tell the parents because it will make the situation worse. And often and, it does um, make it worse. It, often it does. And, you know, that's where it's so important that, um, you know, I, I've learned I've raised a lot of girls. Um, that, that there are times that, you know, you want to go up, you want to scream and yell up at the school, you want to call that other parent, but you have to, what's more important is to gain the trust. I agree. So that agree. when something like this comes up, they are going to come to you. They know you're not going to fly off the handle. You're not going to right. embarrass You're not going to embarrass But what does a parent do? I think a parent needs to watch the signs of um, a child spiraling down because of bullying. Um, is a child reluctant to go to school where they used to love going to school? Um, have have certain dynamics, friendships changed where you know they used to be best buds? You know, a lot a lot of peer harassment comes from ex BFFs, mm-hmm. <laughs> and if yeah. all of a sudden you're not seeing your kid or hearing it talk about this friend anymore, um, it's okay to say, hey, um, you know, I haven't heard you mention Will for a while. Um, right. You know, talk about it, not in a what's going on, but, you know, be a, be the a kind of person who is easy to talk to. Um, if if you notice your kid just not wanting to go to school, um, if if your kid is is online a lot or seems to be very sh- and shaken up by it or being, is getting a lot of text messages that are... are having a, a negative effect on what you're seeing in terms of their mood, well, you're paying for that access, for this stuff to be coming into your home. Um, it's it's okay to ask. And don't ask in a, in a way that the question can be answered with a one-syllable yes or no. Like, not, um, are you okay? Yes, no. Because um, right. <laughs> kids, as you say, they they cover up. They don't want right. to lose access so maybe you could phrase it something like, um, you know, I see that, you know, you're struggling or, exactly. you know, I, I see that you're sad. Make Is there anything I can do to help you? And, you know, yeah, sometimes, you know, sometimes 
talking less and listening more. <laughs> you yeah. know, it just okay. works so well. Especially with tweens and teens. So don't ask questions with yes or no answers. Instead, make an observation. You seemed upset when you came home. How can I help? That's it. Then close your mouth. <laughs> you know, and, and, and one of the other things that you talk about really ties into this. Because um, you say it's not good enough to raise a good kid, that we need to raise kids that do good. Yeah. So, you know, when I read that and, and I was tying it into the bullying, I was thinking, well, you know, that's really the case because somebody has to stand up. Yeah. <laughs> so, I have a whole chapter on social courage. So tell us about that. Yeah. Social courage is doing the right thing. Um, and it takes a tremendous amount of self-confidence and conviction to do the right thing when you're in middle school or in high school because your social currency is at risk. Um, Kids of that age have so much status anxiety that being judged by their peers is, uh, wow, I mean, some kids just, they never make a move without looking over their shoulder 15 times to see where everybody else is at. So to ask a kid or to expect a kid to stand up for someone who is is more vulnerable, someone who needs a friend in that moment, to speak up when there's injustice happening before your very eyes takes a tremendous amount of courage. And I don't know that there are very many role models for that kind of courage. Unfortunately, what kids see much more of is the piling on kind of stuff. But right. I think what what is essential about doing good in the world is that we want to, again, through role modeling, but through conversations that count, through um, what's happening right here in the now, um, stories about family members of of people who made a, a really important choice that helped other people, even watching films, um, you know, talking about about things that are happening in the news. These kinds of things, heroism, it's like, wow, that person did that. That's pretty awesome. Um, we'd all like to think that we have a hero inside of us. And I I would love for kids to get more more positive messaging around the fact that you already have what it takes to do the right thing. And I, as your mom or dad, I know how hard it can be to do the right thing. But I want you to know that I I believe in you, and and part of what we as a family stand for is helping other people. So doing right, doing right can look like a different thing in many different situations. It could be really as simple as holding the door open for someone, or it could be something really courageous like, hey, leave him alone, and putting yourself at risk in that way socially to stand up for somebody who has no one else. Absolutely. And, you know, it, 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 and it will make them feel so good. You know, so that very it, you know, empowering. Think, yes. Very empower, empowering to, Isn't it interesting um, to that be we a have good a, person. Yeah, last know? summer, um, you know, there were all these movies about superheroes. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, why are kids drawn to superheroes? It's because they do the right thing, you know? They do the right thing. And I, I would love to help kids um, you know, you don't need a cape. You don't need magic powers. You you need you need something that says, okay, 
this is the right thing to do, and I'm I'm just going to do it. Well, Annie, why don't you tell us where um, we can get the book? Give us your website. Um, let parents know where they can get this book because it's going to empower both them and their kids. Thank you for that. Um, the book is called Teaching Kids to Be Good People, and you can go to teachingkidstobegoodpeople.com. Easier, you can just remember Annie Fox, A-N-N-I-E-F-O-X dot com, and there's a link to the book from my homepage. Terrific. Thank you, Annie. And, um, you know, this is really just very important. And your website also, your blog is beautiful. It's really a very informative um, website. And uh, I really encourage parents to buy this because, you know, you may have young kids now and it creeps up on you or you're in the thick of it and, uh, you know, this will become uh, really a Bible in your house. So thank you. Thank you for joining me again, Annie. Thank you. Anytime. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, Marianne. Thank you. Um, I just want to let the um, listeners know that we have um, some really great shows coming up. I don't know if um, most people should know Dr. Eric Hollander. He is uh, one of the foremost authorities in the world on childhood and adolescent um, obsessive-compulsive disorder. And he is going to be on with Stephanie Weiss, and he's going to give you the reality of what obsessive-compulsive disorder looks like in children and teens and, um, you know, how you... um, you know, what the signs are and really what the effective treatments are. Um, that's coming up. And then um, Lynn Kenny, Annie, she's one of your favorites too, Dr. Lynn Kenny, um, and I are going to be doing a show on expectations, who they're for. Uh, you know, setting um, achievable goals um, and, you know, really how to how to walk that balance between challenging your child and overwhelming your child. So, um Please join us. Go to www.thecoffeeclatch.com. Please donate to the um, Sandy Disaster Relief Drive if you can. And thank you for joining us. You are your child's best advocate. If not you, then who? Become an informed, educated parent here on The Coffee Clutch. Thank you for joining us. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.